Hello, and welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about Homestuck and read it for you and tell you about it. Oh, my God. It's true. Oh, come on. Did you try to do that? <laughs> I did. I tried to do it right. Oh, okay. thought you were trying to do the bit where we don't say the intro right, because we never say the intro right. No, I'm, it's never an intentional bit. It's just I'm very bad at saying that sentence quickly. Oh, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> I'm Alex, and I have not read Homestuck before. My name's Lydia, and I super have. And this week, we finish Act 5, Act 1. Did you know that there were two Act 5s, or like two acts in Act 5? Because there are. <laughs> Deliberately withheld that information. No, I no, I knew that. Okay. Wait, how'd you know that? I think you told me. Oh, okay. At some point. Okay. I think maybe also <laughs> Act 5 might have started... With Act 5, Act 1, like, there was an opening of those curtains. I'm not sure, though. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was just Act 5, actually. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Hussey decided halfway through that, in fact, there would be two parts to Act 5. That sounds right. But, yeah. So, we're gonna hurdle towards that particular conclusion today. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of stuff. There is. Um, so we start off with Tavros on Vriska's floor. Uh, and he's getting some proddings from a very rude exile, uh, telling him to stand up and go kiss Friska. Right. The uh, the gag kind of goes on for a couple of pages. The whole joke is that Hart's boxcars doesn't seem to recognize that Tavros cannot use his legs that way. And mm-hmm. uh, that's it. Friska's sitting there oblivious to anything going on. Tavros is uncomfortable. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole joke. It's not funny or good. Ho, ho, ho. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, so then meanwhile, as that's happening, um, we see the Black Queen um, talking to Riska. She's got a message. Yeah, so I, I thought at first that it was um, the White Queen, because that would make sense if there were, like, 12 exiles. But it, no, um, it's Snowfall, and she's uh, <laughs> she's actually talking to both Vriska and Terezi. Did you prepare a list of those? No, I'm just going to make up a new one every time. That's pretty impressive that you do it on the spot. Um, so basically she wants to use... <laughs> I want to, I wanna like, move past it. Like, okay. Like, not even acknowledge it. Okay. And just get, like, a laugh from you. Okay. Or, like, an exasperated sigh eventually. Okay. We've established that that will be the protocol henceforth. That, for the bit. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she wants to, uh, use... Uh, both Riska and Terezi, to uh, basically get revenge on her mutinous kingdom in the past. Right. Um, so she's using both Riska and Terezi at the same time, kind of using them at cross-purposes to each other, as the scourge, as in where scourge is a synonym for whip, and the, the joke is that when Riska and Terezi played uh, Flarp together, they were Team Scourge. So, okay. Yeah, so she's using Team Scourge, and uh, she will crack the black inches of her scourge across Durse, and it will leave, you know, wounds that are red miles long. Do you get it from the intermission? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, so she tells Terezi that uh, she has to destroy the ring that's in the royal vault. 
Um, and then we see a snow snowman's base, and it's a mother grub skull. And it's at Kanaya's house in the future. Or it's at the other set of frog ruins, because there were two. Oh, yeah, this is the one underground, so it's uh, where Radia was. Right. Oh, right, that's what they're trying to show you. Okay, yeah, I get that. Right, because the one at Kanaya's house had, like, a volcano, right? Or a crater right, but, or something? but Kanaya took her volcano with her. With her, right. Um, so, meanwhile, speaking of Kanaya, she's uh, hanging out in her glitched-out um, land. Yeah, so it's called the Land of Rays and uh, Garbled Text that keeps flashing. Right. Hang on a second. I'm going to plug in my mouse really quick. Am I? No. Hang on. Okay. How loud is this? I can't hear it at all. Okay, good. Never mind. Use my touchpad then. Okay. So, right. So she's in the Land of Rays and Glitch, and she is the Sylph of Space. I don't know what a sylph is. Uh, I think like a like a fairy or something. Oh, cool. I think, um, but she opens up a memo um, from Super Future Carcat, uh, where he is talking about how dumb he was in the past for uh, starting memos, <laughs> uh, and he calls his past self a past hole. Yes. Which is really good. <laughs> um, and he says, uh, it turns out you can't alter the outcome of decisions made by morons, no matter how much you yell at them. Uh, which is funny, because that's kind of what they do to the humans as well. Mm-hmm. And it draws like a real parallel uh, between them yelling at their past selves and them yelling at the humans. Right. He also says no one's going to read through all this, which is funny, because we have to. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think... Um... So this is, this is, ready, ready, we're observing some character development. Carcat is finally realizing that um, because he spent so much time in those memos just, like, standing up on his own soapbox and then arguing with himself and, like, burying the few things that did, he did have to say in so much vitriol, mm-hmm. no one read it, including himself. Like, yeah. he, he had the opportunity to find out exactly what they were going to do, and because it was such garbage, he only skimmed it. And and I guess also maybe because he doesn't respect himself, he, like, didn't didn't think too carefully about what he was, what his, you know, future self was saying. And so he completely missed an opportunity to learn a lot from himself, himself. and then partly because of all the frustration of trying to blunder through the session without knowing that information... He's just berating himself on these memos, creating the self-berating memos that he didn't want to read in the first place. It, this is sort of one of the defter um, justifications of the whole, you know, these memos are inevitable and will be written the way that they are written, but you will also feel a genuine impetus for writing them. And I thought that was kind of clever. Yeah, it was cool. Um and actually, uh, so Kanaya uh, talks to Karkat in this memo, and it turns mm-hmm. out that she, this is the only memo that she uh, chimes in on. Uh, and he's like, whoa, I haven't heard from you, like, from past you in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, because this is, so it's super future Karkat talking to Kanaya more or less in the present. Mm-hmm. Whatever the present means. Yeah. 
Um, but they basically, they have a really, like, nice, uh, conversation, I think. Yeah. Um, they, basically, Carcat is like, well, everyone uses these memos, uh, to talk about their romantic problems, so, what's your problem? Uh, and she doesn't really want to talk about it. But she does, anyway, a little bit. Yeah, she, she slips up that, um, quote, she isn't messaging me or responding to my messages and so Carcat's like oh that well that narrows it down she's yeah. just like shit can i has a crush a, a red crush mm-hmm. to be specific uh and she doesn't want to talk about it but but yeah yeah and then um she asks Carcat, what about him and he's like uh i'm not really i don't really have any like red crushes but i i kind of suspect that i'm my own kismesis yeah, uh, which is really funny and weird. I but think like, it's it's I think it's like I feel like the element of destiny in troll romance makes that slightly less ridiculous of an assertion than it does for like human beings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like your romantic partner is not just like a relationship you have in your life. It's it's this sort of philosophical construct. Right. And since uh the one that like argues and hates him the most is himself. That's his kismesis. Right. It's a, but it's like a it's like such a deeply self indulgent hatred too. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I think it's it's really funny. I feel like his relationship with his past felt self might almost be like the epitome of what they're trying to make kismesisitude about. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and they end they end this uh, memo with um. Wait, uh, there's a heartwarming anecdote first. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, they have a heartwarming anecdote where um, Carcat is just kind of trying to, like, starting to, like, break down, and he's feeling, like, freaked out and lonely. They're floating in this empty game session on a meteor, and he starts he starts talking about the last 12th perigee, which is Troll Christmas, and his, his pleasant Christmas memories, and then Troll Christmas memories, and then um, Kanaya talks about her Troll Christmas memories, and, like... I don't know. Carcat is, like, really, like, level-headed and, like, sensitive as soon mm-hmm. as he stops shouting. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of a nice little, like, quote-unquote humanizing thing yeah, for them to for share sure. those. Anyway, then, yes, then it ends on a thing. Uh, yeah, Carcat's like, oh, you're, over, you're here and you're, uh, you're, uh, over, um, Tyros with your chainsaw. What are you doing? Oh, God, what are you doing? Uh, and then he faints for an hour, and uh, Carcat from another hour in the future is like, yeah, uh, that was weird. Yeah, Carcat from the future comes in and uh, and lets Kanaya know that everything is fine. My past self just passed out watching yeah. you. So so what's happening is, and we saw this weeks ago, um, and we didn't necessarily understand what was happening at the time. Um, Kanaya but, is chopping Tavros's legs off. Yeah. So that they can attach robotic ones. Yes. But she's chopping an unconscious Tavros' legs off with a chainsaw. Yes. Just so that we're clear. <laughs> and then, um, then that's the end of that particular question. Oh, she does also ask him, um, can I want to know from Carcat, is magic real? Because she's read in Rose's walkthrough about 
magic being used, and she suspects maybe, you know, humans were just a more advanced species, and Karkat lets her know that, no, as far as I know, we didn't use any magic, but, uh, you know, all of this stuff is close to magic anyway, science magic, and also don't worry about it, but whatever the thing is that you're trying to do, like, your role in this story, like, you definitely fulfilled it, like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, he also mentions that uh, he suspects, and Solix suspects that, um, their session is rigged. Yeah, that's that, important. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, and they're and he's like, actually, like we probably weren't morons in the past. Like we were doing everything as right as we could. Um, it's just that someone was acting against us. Which I feel like is is a, is a a powerful sentiment. Sort of. This is this is one of those times when it's the game is sort of it really is like a metaphor for like coming of age stuff when you realize that like you can't always make the best, you know, you make the best choice you can based on what you know, and you you do the best that you can based on what you have, and, like, sometimes just, like, the circumstances will get in your way, and that can be really hard to, like, come to terms with. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, oh, so then the other thing that Karkat says before he signs off, which we're about to see, is he tells her, all right, if you want to know what happens at the end of the game, like, scroll up to the end of the timelines. Like, you can view all the timelines as lines, Mm-hmm. and, like, click on them to talk to people on different points in time in Trollian. And if you scroll up to the top of a window, which we see her do on the next panel, it, um, is broken. Yeah, it's like the, um, it's like a cracked screen, basically. Right, with, like, flashing black and white static mm-hmm. noise scribbles coming through. Yeah. So that's, that's a little alarming. It is. Um, we... Now we we'll go to Terezi. Who has a dragon jetpack, which is like a jetpack with big dragon wings on it. It's true. And it's cool. And um, she flies up the side of her very tall hive. And she passes her her uh, dragon sprite, who's really cute. Uh, the dragon sprite just sniffs and says hello and laughs. Yeah. Because well, it's a baby, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess she's a very wise baby, but, but she's a baby. Mm-hmm. It's really she's, exci- she's excited to sniff the world. Yeah. Um, so Karkat is messaging Terezi, apparently in response to something that she said. She said she wanted to talk to him. And so the next couple of, like, we're going to see this conversation for a couple pages. It's mostly, like, them flirting with each other. Well, it's mostly Terezi flirting with Karkat. Um, but there is some content also. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, what do, what's the most pertinent stuff? So the most pertinent stuff is she's trying to recruit Carcat onto a new mission that uh, her exile was saying, was whispering to her, which is that they need to destroy the king's ring and exile Jack, which Carcat wants no part of because he really likes Jack, but Terezi really doesn't trust him. He's too smooth. Yeah, and uh, she's also like, you know, he's like stabbed you multiple times now. And he's like, well, at least one of those was an accident. Right. Probably only the one of them. <laughs> and, uh... uh she, she says it's cute that he uh, looks up to Jack, though. It does, uh, yes. She calls him cute multiple times. It's, uh... Yeah. It's kind of sweet. Um, she talks about... So he tries to get her to um, open up to him about some things about 
how sort of how she learned to see by smelling and how she lost her eyesight in the first place and uh, which she apparently is always really cagey about and she says you know what I'll tell you on CrossFit when you wake up mm-hmm. and what else uh, oh so she she knows what car cat's blood color is and Alex I'm seeing in your notes that you have the wrong idea about it oh okay yeah so so um he's being cagey about it as usual like not not wanting to talk about it and she's like I know that it's like bright candy red I smelled it under your skin um and he's like when would you ever have been close enough to me to do that oh wait that incident and then like we're not told what it is um (laughs) I, I don't remember exactly how that exposition goes down but uh I think we find out how that went down later, but but the point is they've met rather intimately at some point in some context. So, but she agrees not to tell anyone because he doesn't want people not to respect him. Like he doesn't want them to hold that against him. And that's, I think everything. They spend an awful lot of time talking about this very little bit of plot. Yeah. uh, And then, yeah, they, like, sign off really cutely, uh, where she leaves him a heart, and they both sign off, and then he logs back on and sa- leaves her a heart. It's really sweet. And this is, like, this is, like, the first, like, okay, yeah, the cute moment that I've had, I think. Oh, For any of the trolls? Yeah. Aww. Or any, like, any of the characters. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm glad it's happening, that... I, I I feel like I feel like we're beginning to see some of these relationships pan out as like kind of earned because you are kind of dropped sort of in media res, yeah. And and so you know like the Seferi breaking up with Solix, you're just kind of or with uh, Aridan, you're just kind of like whatever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's clearly terrible, and your reasons make a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then there's this weird Sweetbro and Hella Jeff page, which I think was probably Hussy like putting up a placeholder, um, update, because it was taking him a while to finish the next Flash. Yeah, it's just kind of a bunch of stuff, uh, basically it's showing Terezi flying away, mm-hmm. and her, uh, dragon sprite saying bye-bye, hee-hee. And then a big panel of Karkai going, um, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, like, stupid. Yep. Then there's a really good Flash. Yeah, so it's been a while since we've had a flash. That's true. And this is a good one. Yeah. So we open up on Vriska right after she blew up. Um, she wakes up and... Right after, specifically, right after the magic cue ball blew up in her face, blew off her arm, and blinded her in one eye. Yes. Uh, so she, um, to get revenge on Terezi, since she can't, uh control Terezi directly. What she does is a psychic double reach around. <laughs> where she uh, she controls Tavros and causes him to control Terezi's Lucis. Which I'm not sure how he did that. He's, she's, uh, an, she's an animal and he can commune with animals. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and then, yeah, so then he, uh, she causes him to cause the Lucis to control Terezi. And basically makes her sleepwalk into the middle of the forest, 
and open her eyes uh, directly into the Alternian sun. Right, and remember, most trolls can't tolerate sunlight, really. Yeah. So, I mean, staring into the sun isn't good for anyone, but it doesn't even take long. She's So she's, she opens her eyes on Alternia and stares into the sun, which also means that she opens her eyes on Prospit, and, like, so she had been sleepwalking on Prospit, but she wakes up and briefly gets to see everything around her before her dream self goes blind along with her Alternia self. Right. Um, so that's part one. So that is how she was blinded. That's how Briska blinded her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get uh, a montage of uh, all the trolls in the medium. Mm-hmm. And they're all fighting pretty good. And a bunch of them have actually met up. Mm-hmm. So we see Terezi and Karkat fighting together, uh, kind of while Jack is off on the side watching. Uh-huh. And this is what I assumed was the moment that they were close enough to like for her to smell his blood oh probably <clears throat> i'm not sure it, they seem to be Kirkett seemed to be very shy about discussing that incident though so i think it might be yeah, something else possibly um then we also see feffery and salux fighting together uh and then we see uh salux and eridan fighting each other probably yeah. uh r- probably those are related yeah probably <laughs> Uh, then um, we, then we get, uh... Wait, wait, okay, so I also want to point out that Aridan is shooting a blast of magic out of a magic wand. In that fight. So, he? yes. I thought he had his, like, a laser gun. Is he, is he waving a laser gun? I think it's a laser gun. Okay, whatever. He's blasting some kind of thing at Solix, and it's like a stupid Dragon Ball Z, like, we're gonna shoot our beams at each other. Yeah, and, like, the beams, like, meet in the middle, and, yeah. Um... And then after that, we see uh, a radia uh, show up on Briska's planet and uh, just absolutely destroy her. Yeah. Like, very graphically. Yeah, it, like um, beats her very bloody and then dumps her on the ground. And her robot arm has fallen off. Yeah. Um, wi- and that act- but that actually uh, wakes Briska up on... Prospect. Right. And on Prospect, she has her uh, seven-pupiled eye intact. Right. And uh, and the, the, the flash ends on... Um, so Aradia sort of storms away once she's done with Briska on the Land of Maps and Treasure. And meanwhile, on Prospect, it's just this two-second bit of Vriska... Dream Briska opens her eyes... And the first thing she sees is Terezi, like, grinning down at her, and then, it, like, slapping her in the face. <laughs> um, and that's... So, so make her pay applies to a great many different events in that flash. Yeah. Meanwhile... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, so after the flash, uh, we see uh, this guy. It's Diamond Stroogs. Diamond Stroog. Diamond, Diamond Stroog. Uh, and he's, uh, he's whispering to Aradia. Right. And, um, basically, he, she just says, like, shut up. Uh, she actually takes Briska's arm and uses it as a pen with Briska's uh, blood as the ink. And, like, writes in the air, uh, for him to stop telling her what to do. Quit bossing me around. I'm not okay with it. It's really, so I found that, like, really 
um, I had forgotten that that was who she was directing it at, but I'm pretty sure that is who she was directing it at. And that's actually a really powerful moment because like, so remember she's been, she's had to listen to the voices of the dead her whole life. Mm -hmm. And that's been really troubling for her. And then, you know, she's been, she's been hearing from this Droob guy now. And, and it's implied that like, you know, she doesn't necessarily want to bring on this revenge. Like, didn't, when she, when she decided to haunt Vriska, that was, like, Doc Scratch was kind of involved in that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, the last time that she exacted some kind of revenge, Doc Scratch was sort of instigating it, and then this time it was Drew kind of instigating her to do this, and, uh, and she's not a vengeful person. So, yeah. You know, I mean, clearly she has that inside of her, but yeah. So it, it's I don't know. It's it's kind of powerful and sad that like I mean, she has every right to be upset with like deeply, deeply upset with Briska, but meanwhile that she would take it this far and then like she's very aware that it's not really her and and I don't know. I thought that was like that was, that's it's a really powerful moment that it's like I'm now writing this message in someone else's blood to show you, mysterious observer. Yeah, but then also, um, he tells her to go, to skip to the end, and after she says, don't tell me what to do, she skips to the end. Right, but I suppose there's not really any harm. That's more a narrative device, I think, because we need to end the act. Yeah, but I also feel like that was, um, kind of similar to, uh, Nepeta and Equius, where she tells him, or he tells her what to she tells her what to do, and she says, no, I don't have to do that, and then she does it. Um, possible. Or with, with Scratch and Friska, I guess, actually. But, like, the difference here is that, like, Droog is literally inside her head. Like, like remember that that's how it works with Exiles. It's not, they're not just, unless you're, like, you're a seer, like, um, like, Terezi, you can't, it's not just them speaking to you, like, they're instigating desires in you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Um, I guess it's a little bit. It changes the tenor of the thing. Although I, I do definitely think there's also something sort of sad and moving about, you know, how Tred, how uh, Nepeta is always like, I don't have to do that, and then she does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So she skips to the end. Correct. Which I'm not exactly sure how it works. She has these two like crystal things. Yeah. And I, I assume that she uses those to time travel? Right, so... But that isn't explained at all. N- you, you don't need it to be explained, really. Basically, um, Carcat mentions at some point that she's the maid of time, and she's in charge of managing the timelines in their session. Like, that's her role. Okay. Well, that actually um, comes up. That, that makes it... That's extremely... Pre- uh, what's the word? That's extremely relevant. Okay. Um, because at the end of the timeline, what she has done is she's amassed an army of herself from all the doomed timelines. Right. That she's splintered off from the main one. Uh, just like uh, Dave Sprite. And so there's all these robot Aradias hovering uh, on the battlefield. Yeah. 
and there since um since like doom timeline entities are like destined to die quickly uh they're basically all on a suicide mission right yeah if you bring someone from a doom timeline back to you know before their timeline branched off like they won't survive there because like, mm-hmm. they're doomed and um which i thought was really incredibly dark like you're dead you've been instantiated into this robot and now you've gathered you know thousands of yourself who you know is going to die again Mm -hmm. to to do something that you know is going to involve like sacrifice i don't know yeah it's it's, pretty dark it's, it's pretty dark yeah um and so we're actually we're seeing all of this through uh like a soulbot cam basically mm-hmm. so we're seeing it like through Aradia's eyes the like Aradia prime right um so she so we see all these uh, other Aradias and then we see this grotesque silhouette of the black king who's been prototyped to hell uh and now that he has uh glub glub powers um, they actually need this enormous psychic robot army to suppress the glub glub like call that will kill everything instantly. Right. That the, that the king could do if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because they're all dead, so they're invulnerable anyway, and they're a lot stronger than they would be normally because they are robots now. Right. So. I also I assume that it was just like they were mentally suppressing him. Right. With their. Well, they're they're supposed powers. to be psychically stronger as well. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know, the king is really, really, like, super duper hideous, and you can totally see why the Black Queen, like, like, it wasn't necessarily, I don't know, they, they kind of pitch it like it's just vanity, that she didn't want to be prototyped like that, but like, or well, I mean, she doesn't want to be prototyped with a frog, because the frog is so repellent right. to her, but yeah. I don't know, like, you can see why you wouldn't want to be morphed into this horrific, like... Enormous, yeah. Lovecraftian spider-tentacle monster thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really um, effective. I don't know. I like how the visual... I'm, I'm trying to fill space here, because we're actually uh, running short, but... um. I think I think it's okay if we just, like, finish quickly. Yeah, but I want to comment on the art. Okay, go ahead. It's one sentence. The thing I have to say about the art is that I really like... There's actually a lot of instances of this where... Like black silhouettes are used very suggestively to mm-hmm. to um, to imply a really really enormous like complicated and layered um, thing, but that's yeah. also so large like on a cosmic scale. Like the use of of detail and silhouette is really cool. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, it's very yeah. We don't really see the king directly; we just see the silhouette, mm-hmm. uh, and then we see his face. Uh, which is enormous, and it's looking at the twelve trolls who are all gathered on a floating lily pad spirograph thing. Right. Because uh, it's the final battle, and they're they gotta uh, get his orb. They gotta get his orb, but they gotta get the orb on his scepter. Because if yes. they destroy that, it um it takes away his power, and. and it's- Ends the game, basically. Uh, right. It's supposed, it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so they succeed very narrowly, um, but we get this like really ominous um, narration from Aradia, mm-hmm. where it's like, despite the enormous army, 
and despite the fact that Riska rolled like a perfect dice roll, and despite the fact that we were all like at the top of our Asher ladders, and despite etc etc etc, um, then we see an image of them with this enormous like scrub or what is it called? Scrub. Scrub, uh, like logo mm-hmm. kind of thing, like a purple twelve box house door. Uh, and there's a door on it, and the uh, handle is the orb. And Carcat just has to reach out and get it. And then the rift happens. Right. So they're they're all sitting there waiting to claim their reward. They've narrowly succeeded, and... Oh, I also just want to note that we see Briska uh, here, and she has an intact eye. So I assume that that's her dream self who's survived to the end. That's a good point, yes. Correct. Um, yeah. So, Karkat is reaching for the door, and we see all the other trolls turn around, because not just the rift, but the consequence of the rift is that um, a, a demon who is indestructible, omnipotent, and enraged, which we want to guess is Lord English, has, mm. has just shown himself in there universe due to this rift in the kids universe right so this is this is the event that they were so angry with them about understandably uh what happens is he he shows up and he tries to destroy the trolls he he's basically been forced out of hiding by the rift somehow and the entire robot army sacrifices itself to buy the trolls some time to escape and just go hide out on a meteor. And so now they're in this, they're on the meteor, they're in this empty session, you know, just like mm-hmm. drifting through empty space. They can't get to their old, they can't get back to Alternia. Like they're just kind of marooned here. Like it's understandable why they'd be infuriated. Yeah. Um, and the, the way that they show the video the way that they show that the Soulbot video of the Rift itself is really cool. It's a very, very uncharacteristically long panel, kind of like those annoying, like, you know, scroll down and see all the colors of the sky <laughs> things. Um, and it goes from, you know, it shows the kids on their platform and it, it flashes red over, over that view. And then it fades down to black and then the black peters out into like shreds of space over this like, inferno it's like it's like burning that lime green color that we've seen associated with doc scratch and with beck Mm -hmm. and uh so it's like lime green and yellow lightning and we find out that the rift is called a scratch yes ho 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 do you get it scratch doctor yeah um (laughs) so and apparently go ahead uh, I, I actually, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so there's basically just a bunch of exposition here, which is that um, little bits and pieces. The meteor that they're hiding out on is the one where they were hatched. So uh, we're sort of made aware that these kids have sort of synthetic, probably paradoxical origins, just like the human kids did. Mm-hmm. Um they find out that their session is soon to be null, and we're not really told what that means exactly, although it probably has something to do with the fact that they can't get into their reward, which have been, which would have been through their door. 
And okay, so we also learned that um, scratches are themselves benign. There's lots of reasons within the game why you might need to cause a scratch. Mm-hmm. And the game actually gives you ways on purpose of creating them, one suspects possibly through entities like Doc Scratch. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. And then and then there's sort of the big reveal of what the ultimate reward would have been. Yeah, so what we see is, um, first we get like an image of Alternia, and there's this like glowing almost like an aurora of the hemo uh, spectrum around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that zooms out and we see the uh, angry red Alternian sun. And we see that this uh, system is in the middle of this big, uh, enormous grayscale galaxy. Mm-hmm. And we zoom out more and we see that there's like a whole universe. And then we zoom out more and it's all in Solix's blue eye. Like, right. he's, like, like, he sees the cosmos. Right. And, then, and, and so then that, that is, that's the universe that they have left behind. They can't get in there anymore. Right. And then we uh, switch over to his red eye, and we zoom in this time on a galaxy into a star system onto a planet, which is surrounded by 12 uh, zodiac signs. Right. In all the in colors. the colors of the hemospectrum. Yeah. And, and it's Earth. <laughs> it's Earth. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and that was, their reward was going to be this new universe. Right. They were going to get to go live there. And this universe apparently was actually created by them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like directly or just like because they were in the game. I believe that's, that's, that's a function of victory. Uh, well, yeah. it's, it's complicated and I've actually, sure. I'm not sure I understand exactly how that works still. It has to do with Skya. This isn't a spoiler. It's, you're meant to kind of understand that much by now. So like, mm-hmm. you notice that they're on the battlefield, which is like Skya and it, it, it sort of shrinks out of existence when they defeat the king. It, it's, you know, this tiny little orb, this tiny little like moat floating under their platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember that Skya was first described as a dormant crucible of unlimited creative power. Right. You get it? So. Yeah. Uh, so this was their reward, was this brand new universe, mm-hmm. uh, our universe, and they can't get to it. Right. So it is stuck. Yep. And then that's the end of Act 5, Act 1. Right, a red curtain falls, and then a blue curtain falls in front of it. Oh, that's a nice little detail. Yeah, you guys. Ah. <laughs> so, so how how was reading this for the first time? I'm actually kind of jealous. Uh, just this reading? Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> um, it was cool to like find out how the universes are related. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, makes me excited for what happens next. Me too. And I've read this before and I'm still excited (laughs) to see what's going to happen next. I'm going to look up really quickly when it was that we first saw the trolls. Because I want us to talk about how long it took. Oh gosh.
Sorry, I'm just not talking because I'm typing and I don't want my, <laughs> my, my speech to get eaten. Let's look at this one. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, boop. Um, wow. So all of this stuff happened in the past seven episodes. All the trolls. Yeah, we met the trolls um, in episode 24. And it's this is episode 31. So. Wow. It feels like it's... It feels like it was a lot more than... Like, it feels like it, it's been the majority, honestly. Right? Like, I just... The humans are completely, like, out of mind. Yeah. I don't, like, I, I definitely remember all of the troll stuff feeling like forced exposition pretty recently, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it already kind of feels... I feel immersed in it. It, felt, it feels kind of organic. Well, I think it's probably largely a function of the way that the troll uh, story was structured, where we were just, like, given... Like, we skipped an enormous amounts of things uh, because... Uh, we have to assume that it worked similarly to the way it worked in the first session. Right. Uh, so it just felt a lot longer than it actually was, because we moved through a lot of material, and then also had a bunch of, like, exposition and character uh, development and stuff. And also, this is, like, the very end, so we feel like we've gone all the way through. That's true. We haven't at all. Yeah, and the, well, and the pacing, I feel like, just slowed down right at the end enough that you felt like you were really seeing, you know, this really granular, like, I don't know, yeah. denouement. But, like, you never saw anything that came before it. Mm-hmm. So. You I, just, like, you fill in the blanks automatically. Yeah, which, like, I don't know, that's really hard to pull. I don't know, Hussey makes a lot of bad jokes that I don't <laughs> like and and there's a lot of blind spots in this um in this in this story and in his characterization and everything but at the same time like I don't know you got to give him credit for pulling that off in terms yeah. of storytelling like that's really how the amount of story he managed to tell rather than showing without it feeling that way mm-hmm. is, is I think pretty impressive. So. Yeah. I, I really agree. It's, um, it's been really cool to, to experience so far. We hope you guys have liked it too. Yeah. Um, I just realized that we haven't told any jokes. So there's not going to be an episode title. We haven't said anything funny the whole time. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Maybe that's <laughs> We both have to, like, run somewhere, I think, right after this. So it's, like, <laughs> we're, like, not... We're not being funny right now. We're zooming through. Um, we can just call it but, zooming through. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that that's... Uh, um, that's relevant, like, thematically. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, questions. We don't have any because we forgot to ask. <laughs> Sorry. But if you'd like to send us a question, you can do so at hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com or on Twitter uh, at hamsteakpodcast. And if you have a spoiler, where can people find you, Lydia? I'm Brickchip on Tumblr and on Twitter. And I'm Leaf Crunch on Tumblr and 
Crunchleaf on Twitter. Remember, if you're going to send me a spoiler on Twitter, don't send it as a mention, send it as a DM so that you don't spoil my co-host. Well, if, like, like, if I don't follow them, then they can mention you and I won't see it. That's true. You know what? You're right. But, but just send me a DM anyway. I hate mentions. Then you don't have to limit yourself to 140 characters. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, don't send stuff to... Don't send spoilers to our main hamstake accounts. We pretty, pretty much said that already, so... Yeah, but I mean, I don't... Yeah, we haven't had an issue with that. Yep. Um, I think that's the end. I think this is going to be a short one, you guys. Merp. Merp. Oh, wait. Okay, wait. You want to... You wanna, Maybe that's the title. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this cat. That you've been cat-sitting. Okay. Uh, so, I'm cat-sitting this cat named Isis. Oh. And she's uh, 10 years old. And she's a... Tur- uh, what's it called? A tortoise shell. Tortoise shell? Yeah. I was going to say turquoise shell. That's not right. Oh. Um, and she uh, she has this, like, scratchy... Um, discovered late in life that she could meow. Meow. Oh. So, it's very, like, very cute. Um, and yeah, she's just lovely, and I've never, uh, had a cat, um, and it's nice to, like, cuddle with a cat. Hmm. It's nice that she likes you enough, despite just being the cat sitter, that she will come and, like, sit with you and hang out. Yeah, I'm really happy that she likes me. Um, she also, she really likes, like, shoes. Hmm. Uh, so she, like, rubs up on my shoes. And so I think that's probably helped our relationship. That you are a shoe wearer? Well, that she, like, likes my, like, scent, I guess. Aww. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on with me right now. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. How's, how's Florida so far? It's really good! I've finally been, um, I've finally been getting out in the mornings, um, to go just, like, write or, like, read for this podcast or something, um, and I just go, like, sit out in my backyard on, like, a towel, and it's, like, it's kind of weird because, like, it's, it's, it is technically a city, but it's, it's, like, almost a city. It's pretty flat, and, and so it's, it's just urban enough that there's, like, cool stuff to do, but, but also Mm. quiet enough that, like, you know, I'm three, three blocks away from Main Street, and it's still, like, quiet and like the sounds that I hear aren't really road noise I'm hearing like the woodpecker in the palm tree outside my door and like uh, my neighbor's chickens oh my neighbor has a bunch of chickens that I can't see but I hear them and every so often they'll like balk at each other and it's it's really funny or like oh he'll gosh. go out and be like they'll start like balking at him and stuff and I don't know what's going on but he'll be like oh no don't do that don't do that oh that's lovely yeah there's a bunch of morning doves that live in his yard Mm-hmm. Um, that are always like fluttering around. It's like I don't know. It's it's a really beautiful spot. I like it. That's really good. Thanks. Um, um, we hope that so you're doing well too. Yeah. Uh, send us an ask about just how your day is going. I guess. Do it. Or probably send that to us individually. Not. We don't want to like read off just how everyone was doing on our next episode. Unless we do. I don't know. I would, I'd be down. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. We'll see. We'll reserve artistic discretion. You may participate in the art making if you like. How's that? That's good. Thanks for listening.
Thanks. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.